you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. couple of weeks to go in the NFL regular season, and then it's playoffs time. As we are here on Tapeheads, Bob Lashusen, longtime voice of the New York Jets, at least on the radio, and uh, took a week off this past week against my will. For the first time in 20 years, missed a regular season Jets wow. game because of everything that the National Football League is dealing with right now, and that is COVID. Scott Pioli, of course. Your challenge, Scott, these uh, these days, if you were an NFL general manager, would be piecing together a roster and trying to find enough guys to play. And Dan Orlovsky, uh, Dan, you were a backup quarterback. You'd be playing a lot right about now. What could have been, Bobby? What could have been? Oh, my goodness, because this is a strange world that we are living in. You know, real quick, before we get to the Chiefs and the Steelers, which is what we're going to start with and Joe Burrow, can we just touch on what the world is, Scott, right now? of the National Football League, if you're a general manager and you are handed this information of guys over and over and over again on short notice that are now just not going to be available to you? Yeah, it's chaos. You know the job is going to be chaos, but this is just next level. Um, It's when you were just saying about Dan, I'm wondering when the NFL is going to become like the NBA and we're going to actually lose Dan for one of these Tuesdays because he's been signed like the NBA is doing with players. (laughs) It's, um, you know... I, I think that as the job of a general manager and a head coach, there's so much that people just don't ever see. And it's the management part, the management of the roster, all of the personal circumstances, situations, unfortunately bad situations that, again, players, coaches, the video people, the trainers, everyone has lives and lives that impact and affect the daily work life and the preparation. What COVID has done this year, last year we were all geared up mentally for um, there being possibilities of of circumstances and issues and having to pivot, and it went off pretty well. This year, we knew it was out there, but it has changed in ways, and it's it's complete chaos. What What I love that the NFL has done, though, is the league has tried to be it's never perfect, right? And and no one will ever be happy with the total end result. But when you look at it in, in its totality, the mobility and the fluidity of the league and the Players Association to try to do the right things and try to get it right, 
rather than just constantly imposing the 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 law, so to speak, and it's made it a little bit easier. You know, I've talked to so many general managers this year and head coaches and assistant coaches, and they they just don't know when the other shoe is going to drop. And there's here's what I think is going to be a long term effect of this. I think that there are people that are more exhausted than ever in doing their jobs because they're having to do things in a way that. Uh, truthfully, the, I think the level of sleep deprivation this year by people trying to figure out answers and be prepared at a, is at an all-time high. Yeah, even our radio guys this past week for the Jets had to come up with a short-term solution because I, I talked, I, I was describing it to people. We all have that recurring nightmare and whatever it is, right? Like you're in a high school test you didn't study for or you are the lead in the play and you don't know your lines, the right? high school and- test I didn't study for, <laughs> I know the feeling well. Exactly. Or, or the one where you exactly. didn't show up to class all semester and then you realize you never dropped it. Right. <laughs> know the feeling well. And Or work, right? Like you all of a sudden are conscious of the fact that work is happening and you're supposed to be there, but you're not and you panic. I actually lived that this past Sunday. I watched a Jet game on television. I was like strapped inside my own nightmare watching someone else call the game that I knew I was supposed to be at. It was surreal for the first time in 20 years. And it's just all of these lives being affected in all of these different ways around the National Football League um, in a way that a month ago we didn't see coming uh, it's it's amazing. And you know what? One team that has persevered through it, though, and has really gotten themselves back to the top of the AFC mountaintop, the Kansas City Chiefs, they dominate the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Patrick Mahomes saying afterwards, goal number one has now been accomplished. I mean, uh, this year, as much as any, I mean, if you look at the AFC West, I mean, every team's still battling for a playoff spot. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a tough division that you have to go in with the mindset of we have to win the AFC West divisional game to get where we want to be at. Um, and so to be able to win the AFC West, kind of win that, get that first goal. I mean, obviously, like you said, we have we have more goals that we want to go after. But this was the first one. And uh, to take this step, uh, we got to build that momentum in, into the playoffs and try to make a run at it. Well, obviously, win your division. Now, you know, for the playoffs, you are going to be at home at least part time, if not full time. If they can polish off the overall number one seed, get the coveted by Arrowhead would be the path everyone would have to take to go through to get to the Super Bowl. And. You know, Dan, we've talked about the Chiefs this season as being kind of on that roller coaster. I don't know if this is just Patrick Mahomes getting settled back down and comfortable in his own skin again. I don't know if you see something that they're doing schematically that is better than what we saw four, five, six weeks ago. But they look different. He looks different. And they look like the best team again. Am I wrong? No, you're right. I think three things really that I take away from this game – Um, Number one, it is that Patrick Mahomes has uh, settled into the style of play that defenses have demanded of him this year. I think the reality is that when Patrick listens to his feet, when Patrick trusts his eyes, and when Patrick plays on pace, that's when the big plays present themselves. I say this all the time. Quarterbacks, you're going to get 35 to 45 snaps a game to throw the football. There's going to be a handful of them that the big plays present themselves, but you don't know when, and you can't force them. And that's what happened a little bit early on with Patrick. Now, there was a multitude. They weren't running the football well. Their tackles were playing poorly. Their guys weren't getting open. Their play calling was non-rhythmic. But when, when Patrick listens to his feed and trusts his eyes and plays on pace, 
that's when he plays to that style of quarterbacking that talent isn't necessary. And you saw that in the game multiple times, just completions, completions. And then there's those moments when the big plays present themselves. And you just have to be ready and capable of taking advantage of them. The touchdown pass to Pringle in the red zone when he holds the ball for seven seconds before he ever has to move the pocket. I honestly believe six, seven, eight weeks ago, Patrick Mahomes would have moved the ball, moved in the pocket with three seconds or four seconds because he would have forced the issue. This time he just waited. And then when the moment was right, he moved. And then there was the opportunity strike on the crosser. And, And that's exactly what I mean by... You, 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 take advan- you, you take the play when it's there rather than force the play when it's there. Or the, the empty package when he there's, it's second and seven and they're an empty and there's a short little completion, but the defense is starting to clamp down and he moves just because he can and Gore breaks down the sideline and he hits some. He doesn't force it. It's there. And his talent allows him to take it. So I think that's the biggest takeaway from that game for me when it comes to Patrick. And then we've been begging for a third receiving option to step forward and Byron Pringle took advantage of that. And I think Pringle gives them a little more of a reliable receiver um, than Mikko Hardman. Mikko's got his role and that's get the ball to him. But I think Pringle brings a little bit more of a reliable receiver for them that, that can play on the outside. And if, if he does that and Tyreek can really live on the inside, then I think they may have found something with their offense that I, Byron Pingo doesn't need to have 12 catches, but if he could have four and, and force defense to pay a little bit of attention to him on the perimeter, that's a big deal. Yeah, and, and a couple things with the Chiefs. You know, we, you're right, Bob. We talked about them a lot early on because we were concerned. And I think some of the things that we cons- were concerned about, Dan did a great job of pointing out earlier in the season. It was the way that Patrick Mahomes was playing, and it was unnecessarily unsound, I guess would be the best way to put it. And I think what he's done is he's reeled some of those things in. I think what we've seen is a a maturation of Patrick and the way that he's playing. I didn't know what to expect this week, you know, with the absence of Travis Kelsey because he's such an important part of of everything that he does and that offense does. So I, I think there were some major steps forward. We're seeing a Chiefs team, again, starting to play their best football this season at the at the most important time of the season. I think we were all expecting it, even then, you know, because we talked about it every week, and not one of us was ready to write the team off because they're too talented and they're too well coached. Right. But to me, where the biggest shift has been is in their defense. And we watch, I mean, they were historically bad at the beginning of the season, right? Weeks one through seven, they were letting up nine, 29 points a game. Weeks eight through 13, it was down to 11.2 points per game. And right now, the defense is crushing it. Chris Jones, they, they, they've yeah. got so much going on up front that, again, we've seen this enormous shift in their red zone efficiency, their opponent's quarterback rating, the number of points are allowing every game, you know, third down conversion rate, red zone efficiency. Steve Spagnuolo has done something that has changed this defense, and a lot of it has to do with the personnel and some of the in-season changes that they made. So to me, again, I think we've seen a maturation, a settling down, but also a defense that is surging right now, keeping the Chiefs in the fight. And maybe the law of unintended consequences, right? Like they had to find a defense while the offense was struggling. They did. They're an 11-win team now. Now if they put both of those sides of the ball together, that that's scary. Absolutely. I, I said, Bob, I, I think that 
if we go back to the second or third week of August and our feet had to get put to the fire and we said, who is going to the Super Bowl? I would assume that the great majority of us said out of the AFC, it was going to be Kansas City, right? Because we had such a great respect for their offense. I think they're actually, as a football team, I think they're a better team than what I thought they were going to be in August because of the defense. And I don't know if, I don't know if it was, you know, they had so many pieces on their defense that were somewhat unknowns. Nick Bolton, their linebacker, who's a rookie draft pick, he's become a really important player. Willie Gay, who's a second-year player, who's a linebacker. Both of those guys in their speed at the second level, I don't know if anybody, unless you were intimately involved with the Chiefs, knew about their potential talent. Um, The addition of Melvin Ingram in season. That was huge. That was a big, you know? So it's like there's, there's been some of these pieces that we didn't necessarily know about them the first four or five weeks of the season when they were playing so bad. And now those guys have somewhat settled in. They've been additions. Chris went from the outside to the inside more. I think that has been a big part of the defense uh, kind of coming on is just those guys really settling into their roles. And, and I think another part of the defense was, remember how Sorensen was playing at the beginning of the year in the early yeah, middle? Yeah, that's a great point. And he was struggling, and Spags just stuck with him. And he came out at one point in time and said, listen, this is about the unit. This isn't just about Sorensen. We're doing a lot of other things that aren't so good. And he stuck with him, and 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 he, you know, Sorensen is now actually helping the football team. I think the other big shift that we've yes. seen, again, offense defense has been the turnover differential. Right at the beginning of the year, they were giving it up at, at a rate that the Chiefs just hadn't done in years, and they're now controlling the ball better, not turning it over on offense and defensively, they're causing turnovers. And we and, and we know how important clean football is, and that's made a huge difference as well. I think. You know, it's amazing. You look as well at the quarterback dichotomy kind of in the NFL right now, NFC to AFC. And this is going to be something we're going to talk about over the next couple of segments, because in the NFC, the top teams are quarterbacked by guys that are at least in the middle of their career, like a Dak Prescott. But you've got Aaron Rodgers. You've got Matthew Stafford. You've got Tom Brady. Granted, Kyler Murray. I mean, there is some youth, but look at the top, mostly of the AFC. Patrick Mahomes is still a young player in this league. Feels like we've been talking about him forever. He's still pretty young. Then you've got Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, right? These are the guys that are now taking that step to being elite. And when we come back, we are going to talk about the Chiefs' opponent this upcoming week. That is the Bengals, who are coming off of a career game for Joe Burrow. And what is happening in Cincinnati? Find out next on Tape Eds. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs, 
Yeah, like check out these hair. I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. <laughs> hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome back to Tapeheads. Bob Shusen here with Scott Pioli and Dan Orlovsky talking about the star-studded power, the top of the quarterback food chain, and the youth at that position in the AFC. And guys, let's get to Joe Burrow. Let's talk mm. about Cincinnati, how good they can still be. Um, he's making every throw, right? I mean, every off-platform, on-platform, on-time, progressions, creativity, um, the deep hole shots, the... I, Pretty much every throw that you can make, it seems like he can make. Now, if I were a young quarterback, I'd probably be, if I were being compared to him, say I'd like to have T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd, too. That might make me look a little bit better. Um, But, boy, he is playing extraordinarily well. Where has that improvement, especially over the last handful of weeks where he has shot back up to the top of the AFC, come from? Well, I... I I would say he's played like that since he came into the NFL, really. I think he's been a superstar since he played, and obviously the injury last year. And I think he's, I don't want to say fully healthy, but he's certainly as healthy as he's ever been when it comes to that knee injury that he suffered from. Uh, You know, I think what's happened, Bob, is um, number one, so the way that Zach Taylor, their head coach, and Brian Callahan have had to kind of go about this season is understanding who you aren't before understanding who you are, okay? They are not a team that can just go and do whatever they want because of the the deficiency on their offensive line. They got to be smart about how they go about running their offense and calling their plays because their offensive line, pass protection-wise, is still below average. So I feel like they've gone throughout this season trying to – you know, going to every game going, we can't just drop back and expose Joe. Like, we're going to get this kid hurt again. He's taken more hits and more sacks than anybody in football, even though they've tried to go about that. And then this past week, Bob I, I, and Scott, was the first game this season where I felt Zach and Brian Callahan went into the game and said, we can't handcuff you anymore. Like, I can't go into this game with the number one thinking, we got to keep Joe healthy. We got to keep Joe protected. I, don't, I think it was, we got to unleash him. We got to take the handcuffs off. The division is right there for the taking, and it is go time. And they just trusted that he was going to, in many ways, 
control the defensive line and its pressure for Baltimore. That's why they lived in empty so much. That has been Joe Burrow's super strength, superpower since his time at LSU. When he gets into empty, he can see the field in such a level of clarity and find the matchup. And I'm not saying just to, like, if you get man-to-man coverage, he got man a couple times in matchups, and it was, here's Tyler Boyd, here's Tyler Boyd, here's Tyler Boyd, here's Jamar Chase on a short end. But then the matchup of, if I'm getting zone, who is the guy on the defense that I want to attack? Not necessarily thinking where my guys are, and that goes to the skill position players that you're talking about, Bob, adding in Uzama and Joe Mixon as options, but who on the defense can I go after here? And I think he's got a great ability to do that, and you saw that with the deep ball to T. Higgins. That looks like a a jump ball, a a two-on-one ball. No, it's not. He's just taking a shot at the safety because he knows that safety, one, played too low, and two, doesn't have good enough ball skills to go make that play. So uh, I I just think that... if that is going to be the the blueprint for them for the next five or six weeks, you know, they got a chance to go beat anybody because of those skill position players. Yeah. You know, going into the season, and I said this early on, one of my greatest concerns for Joe Burrow, um, you know, and why I scratched my head when they took Jamar Chase was the offensive line and concern about how they were going to protect Joe Burrow. Because going back to last year, the injury happened in, in, in my opinion, because it was they threw so much and they weren't doing things to protect him enough. And, and again, it's it probably unfair of me to say that was the reason the injury happened. But I, I unfortunately saw that injury happening, and I think a lot of people saw it coming. So in this offseason, when they did what they did in terms of the draft and, and didn't you know secure an offensive lineman, I was a little bit concerned, and I talked about it. But, Dan, to your point, you know, something I said that they had to do is they had to change their play calling in order to help their protection. And what we've seen this year is the play calling at the beginning of the year and during the middle part of the year to me has been, there's been a dramatic shift. You know, to me, one of the key players in the ascension physically on the field of, of Joe Burrow is the use of Joe Mixon. And he has 35 receptions this year that, you know, they've run more screens this year. They've thrown more checkdowns. They've done some things to slow the pass rush down. They've used the tight end and the chip a little bit more. And the other thing is, I mean, Joe Mixon's carried the ball 280 times this year. Yep. I mean, he's got 1159 rushing, but I mean, he's going to be over 300 carries this year. So to me, you know, you know, Dan, what you were just talking about is what I think we were talking about at the beginning of the year. Well, you know, this is great, but they better do something. And it has helped Joe Burrow ascend. But, you know, I I want to go away from the the on the field stuff just for a second on, on Joe Burrow, because to me, one of my favorite moments of this season actually happened after the game. Um, and and I, I got to be honest, I wasn't aware of this, but apparently Wink Martindale had made a, and I don't know if it was snarky or not, but it was certainly unnecessary, made a comment about Joe Burrow not being needed to be, you know, fit for a, a gold jacket just yet. And after the game, he was asked about it. And his response was not just verbal, but if, if anyone gets a chance, please go back and YouTube it and take a look um, at his response. Listen to his words, but watch his face. You know, so to me, his response his attitude, his poise might have been one of the best things I've seen this year. He wasn't angry. Yeah. He wasn't defiant. You know, it, it, his response was just perfect. And if you listen to his words and look at his face, it was almost like he was, he even said it with this look on his face. He was like, yeah, it was just so unnecessary. 
And you could tell that he wasn't a young competitor in that moment. He was young and empathetic. And he was like, why did the dude need to do that? It was just so unnecessary. And to me, there was a really cool moment. And again, part of me is being a little sappy right now because it's that time of year. We're doing a lot of reflecting on a lot of different things. And he used the perfect words and he said it twice. He says, you know, it was just so unnecessary. And to me, that was one of the things when you look at, if that's going to be the leader of your team, who's competitive, he's tough, he's everything that you want, yet he has that degree of humanity and civility where he was, again, calling someone out without being mean in return to him, just saying, hey, Wink, really? Do we need to be this disrespectful before the game? Can't we just go out and compete like adults? I, I don't know. It was a moment that I sure. absolutely loved, guys. Well, Scott, when you're looking at a player as a college player, and granted, we didn't have a big sample size of Joe Burrow in college, right? We basically had the arguably the greatest year in the history of college football statistically for a quarterback. That's a pretty good resume. But it wasn't like he was in the spotlight for right. a real long period of time, like, you know, maybe an Andrew Luck or some of the Alabama quarterbacks playing in big games for years and years and under the spotlight in those press conferences, in those spots. How hard is it to get a read that he's going to be that kind of a guy? Because obviously you want him to be that kind of a player, but part of being that kind of a player is having that maturity level and being that kind of a guy as a leader in the locker room, you know, spokesman, CEO for the team right. when you are put in that position. Well, here's the interesting thing about a guy like Joe Burrow. And because, you know, when you do these interviews and you spend time with players, there's never enough time, right? And in the 15-minute combine interviews, anyone can fool anyone. I know that's really good English, but that's how we speak where I grew up. <laughs> and he could have fooled anyone. But whoever was spending time with him, he was in a situation, in a circumstance that can often reveal an awful lot about a person. He transferred from Ohio State. So again, I didn't get a chance to interview him and ask him all the questions. But to me, there was a situation there where he could have revealed exactly who he was, what he stood for, his maturity. Because again, that's what I see with him is this rare amount of maturity in every circumstance he's been in. He handles things. So all of the stuff that I saw on air didn't sound canned. Um, it just sounded very sincere, very genuine. He didn't throw the Ohio State program under the bus. He didn't throw any of the coaches under the bus. He was, and he wasn't, I would say he also wasn't just diplomatic about it. I think he, during that whole circumstance, there's time to, those are the opportunities to figure out peop, who people are, right? And I think to me, that's one of the most important parts about scouting. Some people get caught up and people want to spend too much, you know, you have to spend time on tape. You have to spend time on analytics, but you have to remember that this is a team game. And when you're looking at that position, who the person is matters as much if not more than any other position on the field. And I think there were opportunities and circumstances in Joe's life. Um, and we saw it, you know, even when he, the first, what was one of the first things he did? He went back and helped his hometown, right? And and that that wasn't just about public relations. That's who he is to his core. Dan, how good can this team be? Well, I think Cincinnati has proven this year that they can beat anyone. I, I, now they play up and play down. But they can go beat anybody as long as those guys, um, you know, like, again, it, it very much so depends on how well they protect. Um, if Joe's given the opportunity, because 
I, and I said this, I would take their skill position group over anybody in the AFC. The four guys that they have, well, the five, when you include tight end Uzama, like we, I would take those five guys over anybody. And they're a difficult matchup because you only have, some, you guys know this, it's math. And, and I only have so many people to double team certain people. And if they run the ball with their outside zone run game, yeah, they could beat anybody. I think their defense, you know, is is probably an underrated part of their football team. They got to be healthy on their back end. But yeah, I, I think that they have proven... Um, th- that they obviously an enormous game this weekend, but they can be anybody in football. Well, another team that's proven, I think, a lot and did prove a lot this past week, the Buffalo Bills. We're going to head to the AFC East when we come back here on Tape Eds because it was a very different rematch between the Bills and Patriots this week, plus seven straight wins for the Dolphins. Are they a legit threat in the AFC, at least to make the playoffs? They certainly seem to be. We'll talk about that when we come back on Tape Eds. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Bob Wachusen, Dan Orlovsky, Scott Pioli. We are back here on Tapeheads to talk about the, is it the full-on balance of power shift that is now complete atop the AFC East? Well, Josh Allen, he not only talked about the importance of the win over the New England Patriots this past week, but saying their mindset right now has to be nothing but playoffs. We're where we want to be right now. We got we to gotta continue to, to find ways to win, win football games and move the ball and take advantage of our opportunities and... Um, you know, playoff caliber mindset, that's what we have. It certainly felt like a playoff game this past week, right? I mean, that that game between the Patriots and Bills, for all intent and purposes, determined, you would think, the champion in the AFC East. And the Bills, kind of like the Chiefs, right? There have been moments this year where we've gone through the roller coaster with them. There have been moments this year where we wondered if they were going to, at the end of the season, be where we thought they could be. And that was the legitimate probably number two most dangerous contender for the Super Bowl to take on Kansas City. Are they there? Because it certainly seemed like Josh Allen reestablished himself and kind of, I think, put the novelty of the wind game in Orchard Park in the rearview mirror when these two teams played a much more conventional game in more normal, you know, relatively 
benign uh, weather conditions. I mean, Dan, the Bills are the better team, aren't they? Like, you put them side by side with the Patriots. They're just better. I don't know if I'm ready to say that they're a better team. You know, I, I think that they, they have... I am. They're more talented. Right? <laughs> you're a Jets guy. Of course more, you're going to say that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It's more talented. If they play, I, I, I'll say this, Bob, if they play their A-plus game and New England plays their A-plus game, then yeah, I think the Bills are probably a better team, but we know the chances of that happening are probably zero for both sides. Um, I think that what happened in this game was that Josh Allen, for and it's not all that different than Patrick. Josh Allen for the first three quarters was a pretty boring and benign quarterback and because that's what New England was demanding of him. We saw it from the first drive. Hit your back foot. We're playing cover two. Our, our second-level defenders are 10 yards deep. Throw a check down. Hit your back foot. Our second-level defenders are 10 yards deep. Throw a check down. You know, throw a flat route. And Josh was willing to do that. And I think when you do that over three quarters of play – that's what gave him the opportunity to be the playmaker in the fourth quarter. It was honestly, and I said this, it was like watching Tom Brady for 20 years beat teams for the <laughs> Patriots. Boring play, boring play, boring play, boring play, game-winning drive. You know, and, and that's what it looked like. And Josh's athleticism and his playmaking ability kind of took over, but he gave his football team the chance to do that. And then when they go on that game-winning drive, it's third and 10 because everyone, this is the funny thing. And this is kind of to your point, Bob, like everyone's like, man, New England got exposed. New England's a third and 10 stop backed up in Buffalo's own area away from probably winning that football game. So credit Buffalo for making that play. They, they, they chip on Judon, they chip on the backside linebacker and, and McKenzie runs all the way across the field. Great call versus man coverage, and his speed wins. And Josh makes a perfect throw. And then the underhand flip, and the underhand flip, and then the game-winning touchdown pass, which is one of those RPOs that Josh really turns into almost like a triple option type of play. So, you know, when when, when Josh goes in with the mindset in playing games that way, yeah, their, their offense is very difficult to stop. I liked their spread run game. I'll credit their defense. I thought their defense won the line of scrimmage, specifically on the interior of the uh, of the, the the that side of the football, so I think Buffalo showed us and reminded us, and, and respectfully and deservedly so. Don't forget about them in this conversation. And the the only thing I'd say about this in relation to New England, Scott, is this: I think it is fair to say, and I don't know if we knew this, but it certainly has shown itself. New England has to play on their terms. You know, they they got to play in a, in a in a fashion where they're dictating the pace of the football game and their margin of error is smaller than teams like Kansas City or even a Buffalo or um I would say Tennessee still beat up but I think those teams like their margin for error is smaller because they they want to play in a very certain style but you know Dan I think you're right. And and for the most part over the last 20 years, that's exactly how they played. And when I was there, that's sure. how we played. And that was part of the plan. Turn the game into it being dictated on your terms. Take away the best player. Take away the best thing that they can do and put the game back, you know, take the driving wheel, the steering wheel back. So uh, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. But I think that that's also been a part of it. Um, for two decades, you know, it's, uh, it's so funny when I hear you say, check down, check down. Yeah. It was, all, yeah. it, it may, I, I see, uh, it's a fascinating because I don't see that as boring football. I see that as methodical 
dominant football, and Josh Allen was doing it. I, I guess you guys sure. have learned that over the. I love the check down because it's it's sure. just smart football and it's productive football. It's not you know Star Wars football, but it's winning football. Um, you know, going back to, to to game one, Bob, you mentioned. I'll say this. You know, some people said it was embarrassing the way the Bills played, and I, I didn't think it was embarrassing at all. They, that game was such an anomaly. Um, I, I didn't like the word. And I think one of the things that you learn as an evaluator, when you evaluate teams, when you evaluate players, when you evaluate coaches and opponents, you know, when there are extenuating circumstances, one of the ways that you can make the biggest mistakes in evaluating is not evaluating the circumstances that the game is being played under. So I don't think we saw truly in that first game what either team was. And that's why, to me, this next game was going to be so important. I was fired up for this game. Again, I don't want to overstate it, but you remember back, I'm going to really date myself. You know, Ali Frazier the first time. Frazier wins in 71. Then the second one, Ali wins the second one. And then we have the Thrilla in Manila. I'm, you know what? This next one, because they're going to, my gut tells me that they're going to face one another again, is going to be an all-out brawl like the Thrilla in Manila. And we haven't seen the end of this. You know, looking at the game, one of the things that had concerned me about the Bills and their up and down was... The, the lack of clean football they were playing. Going into that game, they were the sixth most penalized team in the NFL. One of the big differences against the Patriots the other day, only five penalties. And when you start looking at that offense, and I think the expectations were so high for Buffalo, I think at times when they were doing good things, um, I think people were starting to worry about things when things were actually going pretty well. Because when you look at this game right now, or after this game, the Bills have now had nine games of 30 points or more. They have the NFL's highest point differential, meaning they have scored more points than they've let up. They have a point differential of 163. The next closest team to them in the NFL is the Dallas Cowboys at 150. That's a 13-point difference. That's a lot of points. And by the way, we all know that the, the Cowboys really padded their stats this weekend against Washington. So this has been... Uh, a frustrating team at times, but they are a good football team. And Bob, to your point, I don't know um, because there's been so much inconsistency. You know, when I look at teams and say who's a better team, who's not a better team, who's a more talented team, th- there's a lot more to it when you say who's the better team. Well, who's more talented? Who's better coached? Who's better coached offensively? How about defensively? How about special teams? Who's more opportunistic? To me, I think that these teams are close. Um, but when you look at the quarterback, you know, right now the, the Bills are ahead at quarterback. And that's not to say that Mac Jones is not a good quarterback. I'm saying Mac Jones is a rookie quarterback. Um, sure. So anyway, this, this is I think there's going to be much more to see from these teams. But kudos to the Bills because they came out and they played hard. They played aggressive. They played aggressive. They coached aggressive. And they got the win. Real quick, while we have a moment, before we wrap up this edition of Tape Heads, how about a thought on the Dolphins? First team in the history of the NFL to have a seven-game losing streak and a seven-game winning streak, in so, which is almost impossible inside even of a 17-game season to lose seven in a row at one point <laughs> and win seven in a row. Um, they beat Baltimore at home when Baltimore was still Baltimore, when they had Lamar Jackson. Sure. Take that win out. I guess, and even include Baltimore based on where the standings are right now, they have not won a game in this seven-game win streak against a team that's going to go to the playoffs or appears to be going to the playoffs. So 
to win seven in a row against the a, Jacksonville Jaguars in the you're NFL. Such a well, jet I mean, guy, man. I, and you know what? And I say this from a Jets perspective because the Jets beat Tennessee. They beat Cincinnati, right? Like over a seven-game stretch, you could play the Jaguars seven games in a row, and you're probably not going to beat them seven times in a row. So a seven-game win streak is incredibly impressive, no matter who you're doing it against. But are the Dolphins in the A- are, well, I, I mean, I think the Dolphins, I think it, I think the fairy tale comes to an end this week when they go to Tennessee, but are they in any way a legit playoff threat? Uh, absolutely, they're a legit playoff threat. Their defense is playing as good as anybody's in football. And when, I mean, there's only two units that dominate a football game, offensively and defensively. And, and when one is being dominant, you have a chance versus any and everybody. Um, you know, I, I think what the Dolphins have accomplished is absolutely incredible. Um, I think that because of their some of their younger players, really like Jevin Holland, their draft pick has started to emerge as a difference maker at safety. Jalen Phillips on the defensive line, another rookie, a, a difference maker. Jalen Waddle obviously has become such an integral part of their football team. If this offense had, um, I'm trying to think of like an average offense. Like if if this offense had the Chicago Bears offensive line. This would be a very the, the the viewpoint on this football team would be very different, but their offensive line is just so poor. Um, so I don't think it's like, hey, this team's got a chance to go make a run to the AFC Championship game, but they're not going to be an easy out if they get in because of the style of defense that they're playing and how well they're playing it. Yeah, and, and I think that anytime you win seven games, it's so hard to win one game. You win seven yeah. in a row again, regardless of the opponent. You're doing something pretty special. And, and, and Bob, I don't disagree with your point because, you know, we, I, I've talked about the Rams earlier in the season. My concerns, okay, they're winning games, but how good are the teams that they were beating? Right now I'm wondering about this dominant streak of four by the Dallas Cowboys. And opponents do matter. And to be able to rattle off that many in a row is pretty darn special. You're doing something really right. Well, we will see if they can keep that rolling against a real litmus test opponent this week because they have to go to Tennessee to play the Titans. And the Titans, of course, are fighting it out at the top of the conference, still hoping for not only a division title, but also maybe home field advantage. So we did a lot of AFC today. We're coming back on Thursday, episode two this week of Tapeheads. We'll really concentrate much of our show on the NFC because we've got an offensive explosion to talk about with Dak and the Cowboys. We'll look at the biggest threat in the NFC and a team we could be overlooking heading into the playoffs. We will talk about that. Find out who that team is when we come back on Thursday when our next episode drops. As always, thanks for being a tapehead. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 